Exodus 16, verse 1. They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we set out by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day when they prepared, on the sixth day when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses said to Aaron, Oh, so Moses said, and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you are grumbling against him. What are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. And whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake, and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning, as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. 
On the Sabbath day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the Lord rested on the Sabbath day. Or so the people rested on the Sabbath day. Now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. The people of Israel ate the manna 40 years till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. And Omer is the tenth part of an ephah. This is the word of the Lord. Please turn your Bibles to Exodus 16 if you're not there already. Last week, from the study of chapters 15 through 17, we saw and recognized that grumbling is one of the most subtle yet pervasive sins for humans, even Christians. We grumble, we complain, we whine about the way things are when our circumstances aren't the way we'd like them to be, when our, our future prospects are not what we'd hoped they would be, we grumble. And last week we saw this uh, very clearly from the text. The problem with grumbling is that it comes from a sinful heart. Uh, we, we looked at this, uh, just the categories. It was the forgetful heart of grumbling that forgets God's past blessings. Remember, God has just brought Israel out of Egypt. It's been at this point two months and yet they are grumbling against God. But then we saw that it is also the faithless heart of grumbling. So they not only forget God's past blessings, we not only forget God's past blessings, but we fail to trust God for his future provision in our lives. And so we grumble. And all of this to, to one degree or another, shows the dissatisfied heart of grumbling. We do not find our satisfaction in God. We look for it in other things that cannot satisfy. And so when those things let us down, we grumble. And that's where this grumbling comes from. A heart that is satisfied in God does not grumble. So that is the problem that, that's going on in our lives. That's the malfunction in our hearts that's going on when we grumble. But let me ask you this. When, when your car breaks down on your, and you're on the side of the road and, and you recognize, okay, the, the transmission light has come on, so it's a problem with the transmission. You, you've diagnosed the problem. Does that get your car back on the road? No. Knowing the problem is only half the battle, right? You also have to fix the malfunctioning transmission in order for your car to get going again. And so it is with grumbling. To know what's wrong with our hearts is good. It's helpful. 
but it is not enough. We need the malfunction in our hearts to be corrected in order to stop grumbling. Our forgetfulness needs to stop. Our faithlessness needs to stop. And our dissatisfaction with God needs to stop. That's what really needs to happen for us to truly stop grumbling. By the way, we might feel guilty about grumbling and stop doing it with our mouths, but we'll still be doing it with our minds. And that's still grumbling before God. (laughs) Trust me, he knows what you're thinking. This is what we need. We need to not only know the problem, but to recognize the solution God has for us. Now, right here in chapter 16 that we've just read together, we see, number one, Israel grumble against God. Oh, that we had the the meat and the the bread that, that used to make us full back in Egypt. You've just brought us out here to die. And how God responds is to not only provide for their needs, but to help their grumbling cease by replacing it, by fixing the malfunction of their hearts. So this is what we're going to see today. This is what God is working to do in Israel. I'm not saying they're never going to grumble again, but this is what he's working towards, and this is what he's working towards in our own lives. And I think being aware of what God is doing will help us to to work with God in the process as we stop grumbling. So let's go to the Lord in prayer now and ask him to help us in this task today. Father God, we confess, I confess, that we are prone to grumble when our lives and our circumstances aren't the way we'd like them to be in that moment. And Father, we agree with what we learned from your word last week that Grumbling is a sin, and grumbling shows that our hearts are malfunctioning, that we forget your past blessings, that we lack faith in your future provision, and that we are looking for the things of this world to satisfy us rather than the God who created the things of this world. Thank you for showing us the error of our ways, But Lord, today we need you to replace those sinful proclivities with faith, with remembrance, and with satisfaction in you, God. Would you do that through your word and even from my mouth, Lord? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You might say, how in chapter 16 is God helping Israel with their grumbling? They, they grumble, and God gives them what they're grumbling about. If any of you uh, have raised children, you know this is not typically the way you do things. I mean, you might do it, but you're not supposed to. <laughs> when your kids are grumbling, I want that toy, I want that toy, you don't buy that toy for them. No. That's not, not generally the way that we teach. And, and I would say that is a good principle, but I, I want you to see what God is doing here. He does provide for their needs. He does uh, give them what it is they're grumbling for. But God is teaching them through it. And he is working to stop their grumbling. Here's the first way God does this. First, he shows them that provision is no coincidence. Provision is no coincidence. We're going to see this with the manna 
and, and also with the quail that come in. We don't often talk about the quail, but that did happen. Uh, we'll look at it in just a moment that God sends meat for them to eat uh, through quail. But what God wants them to know very clearly is that this provision is no coincidence. Uh, maybe a month or so ago, um, after a prayer before a meal uh, with my family, our oldest daughter uh, asked this question. Why do we thank God for our food? She said, we, we, we bought it at the store and mom cooked it. Why are we thanking God? <laughs> I mean, it's a funny question. Ask your mom is my answer. No, um, we, we, we did. We talked it through with her. But all she was doing was voicing the thoughts of so many and even us at times. Why, why would I thank God for things that I worked for, that I bought, that I prepared? So I have food in my fridge at home. I, you know, we, we have a meal three times a day. We have a house to sleep in. I have a job that gives me, uh, you know, a, a paycheck. It would be very easy for me to say, well, why would I thank God for any of that provision? See, the problem with us is we think that our provision, the provision in our lives is a coincidence. That the way that we have food, that we have shelter, that we have money to spend to put clothes on, things like that, we assume that those things are just coincidental. But what God is doing with Israel, because they're struggling with this grumbling so much, is he shows them beyond the shadow of a doubt that this is no coincidence. I, I, I love uh, how, how he puts it here in verses uh, 6 and 7. He, he kind of says, okay, you're forgetting who I am. You're forgetting what I've done for you, so you're grumbling. So verse 6 and 7, uh, So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. So something that God is going to do is going to make them remember this thing they have so quickly forgotten. Something that God is going to do is going to help them with their current grumbling based on God's past blessings. And I would even say his present provision for them. And so this is what we see happen. I want, I want to show you this, what, what God does how it is that he reminds them, I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Verses 13 to 15, this is what God does. In the evening, quail came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what? Is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. Now, now there's a couple things going on here that, again, God is working against their grumbling hearts, training them toward gratitude and faith and, and finding their satisfaction in Him. Because we remember, it seems Israel has a continual suspicion of God. That they can't trust him, that he doesn't really have their best interests in mind. And so they even look back on Pharaoh in Egypt with, with, with you know, happy thoughts. We often do that with our past, by the way, these rose-colored glasses. Oh, 
that things were like they were in Egypt when, he, when we had meat and bread to the full. <laughs> I believe that is amnesia. Pharaoh was a harsh master. He was literally killing their children. And yet, I wish we had what we had back then. At least he made our bellies full. And so part of what God does, uh, I, I, don't, I don't have it right there uh, in the verses uh, or on my slides, <clears throat> but, but in verse four, if you look in your Bible, in verse four, here's what God says. Like, you, you, you want that bread that you have to have? Behold, I am about, about to rain bread from heaven for you. You, you miss bread so much you think I'm a bad uh, master because, because you had bread in Egypt and you don't have it now. I'm about to literally rain bread from heaven for you. And so part of what God is doing is he is showing his present goodness to the people. I am the God who can satisfy you. And by the way, th this, this idea of satisfying happens over and over and over again with the, the food. They, they ate it to the full. Each one gathered as much as they could eat. God was showing his present goodness by his present provision that was no coincidence. Uh, again, I, I just want us to, to recognize what's going on here in our own lives, food, water, clothing, shelter. Is God providing for you? Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, down from the Father of lights. Everything, every bit of provision you have is from the hand of God. Maybe one of the reasons we, we grumble is because we don't recognize the present provision of God that shows his goodness, his grace towards us. Now, but the forgetfulness, this is another aspect. And I just wanna show you this uh, again from the text. It says there uh, with the quail is uh, up there on the screen. In the evening, quail came up and covered the camp. So God miraculously sent quail for Israel to eat. We don't see quail around here very often, but they're, they're kind of a, a funny looking creature. And, and, and quail do something that's kind of different than other birds. Uh, they, they flock, they, they migrate, and they go so hard at it, migrating, that when they land, they, they, they basically become lame. <laughs> and they just sit there. This, this is what quail do. And so what I want to point out to you is that quail being in that area was not miraculous. Quail, quail were natural to that region. They didn't normally like live in the wilderness, but they would sometimes land there, um, you know, if, if, they, if they were migrating. And even them being easy for Israel to catch, that, that wasn't miraculous. But what was miraculous was the timing and the quantity. Okay, this, this is important. This is uh, the, the timing. God says, I, I'm about to do this. I'm about to make you full. And boom, that evening, quail come. All of a sudden, they have meat to eat. God said it, it happens. Now, what about the quantity? It says there, the quail came up and covered the camp. Uh, I, I don't, again, know that much about quail, but just from my studies this week, I've learned that they, they travel in like decent sized flocks, but they're, they're not gigantic flocks. They, they don't travel uh, with that many other quail. The nation of Israel is about 2 million people, somewhere in that neighborhood. 
And so we are talking about a lot of quail here. For an entire camp with two million people, you have number one, two million bellies to feed. But it says it covered the camp, this quail. I mean, this is a lot of quail. This is a miraculous amount of quail. Now you say, well, what does that have to do with reminding them of God's past uh, blessings in their life? How, how is this to keep them from being forgetful of what God had done? Well, well, think about the 10 plagues, frogs, flies, gnats, locusts. Those are four of the 10 plagues that God sent on Egypt, their, uh, Israel's captors. This is what God used to redeem them, to free them. Now, Frogs are, are normally in Egypt, flies, gnats, locusts, th those things are normally in Egypt. But what was miraculous about those 10 plagues? The timing and the quantity. God, you know, through Moses says, this is what I am about to do. Tell Pharaoh I'm about to do this. He goes and tells them and then boom, next day covered in frogs. It says they piled them up and they stank uh, same thing for the flies and the, the um, gnats and the, the locusts. It, 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 by the way, uses the very same wording that the locusts covered the land of Egypt. Just like this says, the quail came up and covered the camp. It was a mir miraculous in its timing, exactly when God wanted it to happen, exactly when God said it would happen, and miraculous in the quantity. This was not a normal amount of quail. And all of that was to remind them of God's past miraculous, gracious work in their lives. You think of, again, the 10 plagues that this is most directly pointing to, but also the parting of the Red Sea. I mean, God was working miracles for Israel, and yet they'd so quickly forgotten. And so God was setting this provision in their lives that would remind them of God's past provision if they would only catch it, if they'd only think about it. For a little while. I, I was thinking in my own life, um, some of the ways God has done this for me. Um, I, I really like meeting new people. I love it when I, I, you know, a friend brings another friend. And so I, I meet that new person and then we just click. We have so much fun. We enjoy each other. And um, but what I've noticed is that uh, when, I, when I meet someone like that, when I, you know, meet someone new and I really enjoy it and it clicks it often reminds me of when I met Travis Jones. He's a pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church. Um, and, and it was just such a meaningful event in my life, this coincidental meeting, which again, God's provision is not coincidental. If, if you don't know my story, here's what happened. I had uh, in my early 20s drifted far from God and deep into sin. But, but God was working on my heart. I, I was trying to figure things out, but I couldn't figure out how to make up for all my sin. I couldn't figure out how I could make God love me again. I didn't understand the true gospel. And so one day I, I decided, well, a good place to figure this out would be church. And so I, I was visiting a church because I didn't want to go back to my old churches because I had <laughs> dirtied myself so much with sin. Uh, so vi visiting uh, Silverdale and I'm sitting there in the lobby waiting for a friend to come. And this guy just walks up to me and starts talking to me. Like, man, just leave me alone. <laughs> I'm trying to figure things out. I don't want you bugging me. Uh, after, after talking to me for a little while, he finally says, hey, man, I'm one of the pastors here. And um, I have a Bible study that meets on my back porch uh, at my house. Do you want to come? 
I said, yeah, yeah, I do. I, I do want to come. Again, I, I can make a long story short, but at that Bible study, very quickly, God used Travis to make the gospel clear and beautiful to me. I, I finally embraced the gospel for all that it was. I clung to it. But, but it kept on going. Again, if you know the story, uh, Travis and I just, we started hanging out. We became friends and I started serving alongside Travis and we started going out and sharing the gospel together. And, and before too long, I realized this is what I wanna do with my life. I wanna study the Bible. I wanna teach other people. I wanna share the gospel with people. This is what I wanna do. And so God, uh, by his providence, had Travis just kind of mentoring me through as I went through seminary and as I started getting my feet wet in ministry. And Travis is still one of my dearest friends, still one of the guys I call up when I'm, when I'm struggling. And God sent him to me randomly. No, it was God's sovereign good hand. It was purposeful. It was his grace in my life. And now when I, when I run into people, I just can't help but think about how I coincidentally ran into Travis that made such an imprint on my life by God's grace. Now, I don't know how that happens in your life, but there are things, little reminders uh, that God gives us of his past blessings. Maybe it's the way God grabbed a hold of your heart and saved you. Maybe it's the way God restored a relationship in your life. Maybe it's the way God's provided for you. He just sends these reminders. If we would give it thought, we would recognize that God is trying to remind us just like he was doing with the quail and with the manna. By the way, we, we can look at the manna, um, the, the miraculous nature of it. I mean, God says, I'm gonna rain bread from heaven for you. And then he literally does it. <laughs> it says uh, the, the, the dew comes down and, and the people say, oh, I did, there it is. The people say, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Okay, so what you don't see Israel saying is, oh, our lucky stars, we just randomly stumbled upon this food that naturally lays on the wilderness floor and is naturally there in the morning after the dew. No, they'd been out in the wilderness for two months. Moses, by the way, had lived out in the wilderness for 40 years in Midian, he was a shepherd. And yet they look at this provision, they say, what is it? And Moses answers rightly, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. Uh, this was really obvious with them. The, the, the quail, that's obviously from God. The, the timing and the quantity, obviously from God. The manna, it's obviously from God. This was not something that naturally occurs in nature. This is something new that they didn't know about. And Moses rightly answered, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. I know this is obvious, but we need to recognize the less obvious in our lives. We need to recognize that everything we have is a provision of God in our lives, a blessing, a grace of God. If we do that, our grumbling will come much more slowly because we'll be finding our satisfaction in the goodness of God. We'll be remembering the past ways God has, has blessed us and, and worked in our lives. We will begin to find our satisfaction in God that eliminates our grumbling. This is what God was doing with the manna. Now, this is good. We say, okay, God was providing them the, these opportunities to, to have their forgetfulness changed, to remember what God had done, to, to trust him. Oh, 
I need to hit that, to trust him for the future. I don't actually have it in my notes. I'm, I'm going to show you this real quick. Verses uh, 19 to 21, if you look in your Bibles. And Moses said to them about the manna, let no one leave any of it over till morning. So they, they were allowed to go gather it, but they weren't allowed to save any over until morning. Verse 20, but they did not listen to Moses. Some of them left part of it till the morning and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was, was angry with them. Morning by morning, they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. Here's what I want to point out to you. Again, another reason we grumble is because we worry about the future. We create in our minds this worst case scenario of what might happen. The ways we may go without, the ways our lives may implode and explode. We worry about these things that have not actually happened yet. And the reason we worry, the reason we grumble about these things is because we are not trusting in God's future provision. But notice there in verses 19 through 21, God literally forces them to trust him for the future. He says, only gather a day's portion. And when, if, if you leave it over, don't, don't leave any of it over till morning. And if you do, it's going to spoil. There will be worms and it. it will stink. You won't be able to use it anyways. And yet God did provide. Morning by morning, they gathered it. This is what God was doing. He's saying, you're not going to hoard up uh, all the, these provisions and, and think that it's, it's you, that you don't need me anymore. No, I'm going to show you every single day my faithfulness, that I gave you manna today and that I'll give it to you tomorrow and I'll give it to you the next day. By the way, verse uh, 35 says, the people of Israel ate the manna 40 years till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. God provided day after day for 40 years to show them what? You can trust me for the future. And friends, we have the very same God. He's the God who, who promises, I will give you everything you need according to my riches in Christ Jesus. God will provide our needs. We can trust him for the future. The same way he provides for us today, we can trust him for the future. It may not look exactly the way you think it will. It may not even look the way you hope it will, but God will be providing what is best for you, what you need to glorify and enjoy him. This is what God does. Now, all of this, I, I recognize, you say, you just expect Israel to get that, for that just to, just to click for them. Oh, this is reminding us of, of God and the 10 plagues. Oh, this is God's present provision in our lives. We should be grateful for that. Oh, God's making us grow in our faith to trust him for the future. I recognize that all of that takes thought. It takes reflection on God. So you know what God does? He gives them a day of rest. There will be one day in seven of the week that they do not work the field. They do not go out and gather manna. Uh, verse what is it? 23 says it's a holy Sabbath to the Lord. This is a Sabbath to the Lord that you are to rest and reflect on these things. But what I want to show you from this text, number two, rest is a test. Rest is a test. 
God gives them rest, but that rest is a test, okay? I'll I'll show this to you, uh, verses four and five. Then the Lord said to Moses, behold, I'm about to rain bread bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And then God goes on to explain a little more. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. Now in verse 22, we learn even more information about this test involving the Sabbath rest. Verse 22, on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, just like God said in verse five, uh, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning as Moses commanded them and it did not stink and there were no worms in it. Now, if you don't remember last time when they held it over to the last day, it it got worms in it and it stunk. But he's saying on this particular day, on this Sabbath day of rest, you can hold it over and there will be no worms in it. Moses said, eat it today for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it manna in the field. Verse 26, six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now, there's a lot going on here that that we could cover, but I I do just want to point out some of the highlights about this Sabbath rest that God is commanding them. First, this, this rest was a gift to them. Do you see that in verse 29? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. He's given you, this is a gift from God. God has given them this rest as a gift. It is a gift, but it is also a command. Again, we see that verse 29, uh, the second half there, remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. You say, well, well, how are we supposed to provide for ourselves? How are we supposed to have food to eat? Again, uh, verse, verse 29, see the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. God God makes enough provision. Then then we see again, they kept it over and it did not spoil. God God made this this provision from the sixth day last through the seventh day when there would be none in the field. God was able to take care of them while they rested. And there's one final thing I want to point out here. To not be satisfied in God's provision was actually to suffer loss. For those who refused to just be satisfied with the two days worth they had gathered on the sixth day, those who went out anyways on the seventh day, even though God said rest, even though God said, trust me, it will be enough, it won't stink. 
they suffered loss. I would say they, they lost a time of rest when they could have had it, a time that they could have reflected on what God had done, what God was doing, what God would do in the future, a time that God would show them, I am faithful, I will provide for you day after day after day. After this Sabbath day, on the first day of the week, that manna will be there again. This was an opportunity for them to grow in their faith in God Yet those who, who, who go out to, and work anyways, they, they miss it. You say, yeah, but in our own lives, the reason we don't rest, yeah, but I've got so much to do. I need just a little bit more. Tell me, what, what more did they get when they went out into the fields on the Sabbath? God said, rest on the seventh. They say, ah, I'm going to work. I'm going to get a little bit more provision. What did they get exactly from their labors? They found None. They, they gained nothing because God was not in it. They worked, but they, they accomplished nothing through it. And this is, again, a principle for us to understand. If God is not in it, it's not worth doing. If God has told us to rest, then rest is actually the most productive thing we can do. And we can trust that God will take care of us. He'll take care of our little world. He'll take care of everything we need, even though we rest. As it turns out, the world will still go around without me working and without you working. The sun will still rise. The rain will still pour down. The, the plants will still bring fruit. God still provides, even though we rest. It turns out. The world does not need us. And so it was that God was testing Israel. He's saying, do you trust me that I'll, that I'll make your provision last these two days and then I'll pick it right back up again on Monday and I'll provide for you? Do, do you find enough satisfaction in me and resting in me and spending time, you know, focusing on me, thinking on me? Did you find your satisfaction in that or are you going to try to find it in, in gaining a little more? By not resting. This was the test. Now, I, I love, by the way, verse um, uh, 31, or sorry, 30. When, when they found that it was useless, when it was in vain to go out and work and they just missed their rest, finally it says, so the people rested on the seventh day. God taught them. It wasn't an easy lesson necessarily. They wasted their time. They wasted their energy. They missed out on the rest that God had provided for them, the opportunity to reflect and so uh, overcome their grumbling. But God, God taught them the lesson. And finally, they began to rest on the seventh day. Now, now this is a difficult thing because we got to be careful. We're not under the law of Moses. We're not Israelites. And so is it okay for me to say to you that I think you should rest? D does this principle still apply to us today? That is, that is the question. Should we still rest? Well, first, I, I want to show you the pattern. This pattern of resting one day in seven was actually put in place long before Israel existed long before the law, long before the nation of Israel was, was put into place. This pattern of rest, one day in seven, was put in place at the foundations of the world. I don't know what happened. Anyways, Genesis 
chapter 2, verses 1 through, th- one through 3. This is at the creation account. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. Hear this. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day, like a gift. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, just like the Sabbath that is to be holy to the Lord, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. God didn't need to rest. God was not tired from creation. It it was no more effort for God to speak these galaxies into existence than, than, than to do any small little task. God is God. He is infinite in his power. He did not need to rest, but he knew the creatures he was making did need to rest. They needed to rest in him. And so from the very foundations of creation, God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. He he set it apart for humanity. So this pattern was actually not just something that, that comes in with Israel, It's something that was put in place at the foundation of the earth. So I think we should pay attention. I think we should say, well, maybe this does apply to me. Now, the second thing I would bring up is the problem. Do you remember the problem God is trying to to fix with this rest? So often the reason we miss what God's doing, the way he's providing for us, remembering the way he's provided in the past, trusting in future ways, is because we don't stop going. We, we don't take time to rest and reflect. We don't take time to dig in God's word, to pray, to talk and have spiritual conversations with others. We don't take time because we're too busy running the world for ourselves, providing for ourselves, trying to find satisfaction in the world. But God gives them rest. And so I think we still have the same problem. We still have the same problem that God was fixing with the rest. We still grumble because we forget God's past blessings. We still grumble because we don't trust in God's future provision. And we still grumble because we are not satisfied enough in God. And so should we rest? I would say yes. Rest is still a test for us to say, do you trust God? Do you trust that he'll provide without you working? And and do you want to find your satisfaction in God and see that he's dependable, see that he's faithful, see that he is glorious beyond all compare, certainly greater than anything he created? That is what the rest is about. And so I would say, like the Israelites, we are foolish. At the very least, if not sinful, we are foolish to set aside this pattern of rest that God has given us. Our labors will be in vain if God is not in it. We'll gain nothing and we will miss out on the blessing God has in rest that is able to turn our hearts from grumbling, to remind us of his goodness, to show us his present goodness and to show his future faithfulness. And so I believe we should rest. I think we should aim for one day in seven. And I think we should use that time as a holy Sabbath to the Lord to be refreshed in God and to find our deep satisfaction in him because he is satisfying. Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful for the ways you treat us, frail, flawed humans. Though we are forgetful, you remind us of your past blessings. 
Though it's so difficult for us to trust you for the future, you continually show us day after day that you come through, that you are continually faithful, that you are continually dependable, that we do not have to worry and we do not have to grumble about the future. And God, you even put good things in our lives to show us that you are good, that you are a gracious God, and to point us to find our satisfaction in you. But God, we are so prone to work our lives away, to let our minds be entertained by other things, by other pursuits. And so you give us rest. You give us a day to set aside our labors, to focus on you, to be refreshed in you and find our satisfaction in you. Oh Lord, forgive us for not resting in you. Forgive us for thinking that we are the ones making this world go round, that we are the ones providing for ourselves and for our families. And forgive us for thinking we can find more satisfaction in the things we might gain in work than we find in resting in you. God, I so badly want to stop grumbling in my life. It makes a mockery of you. It's sin. And so, Lord, would you please change these things in my hearts, in the hearts of these people, Lord? Would you help us to remember, grow our faith, and point us to find satisfaction in you? I pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen.